Merriam-Webster defines an entrepreneur as a person that starts a business and is willing to risk loss in order to fulfill a need. In other words, operate a money-making venture so you can keep making money for whatever reason. Now, there's some people that add a little bit to that and think that entrepreneurship is about foresight and innovation, but that's not necessarily part of the case. But for us here at the ADD Experience, foresight and innovation is part of the entrepreneurial journey. And we're going to get into all of that today. Welcome, everybody. Hope you're doing good. This is Mr. Benji's ADD Experience, where we talk about art, design, and development. You know how it goes. And if you were here last week, you heard me talk about Scott Adams and what he was up to. And I just wanted to mention before we get into things that that podcast in particular got me thinking about the format. So before we get started, I just want to mention some things about the format. I usually do a single talking podcast. Well, I have lately been doing a single talking podcast. I do also do interviews, but I'm going to I'm going to get into those after I nail down how I want to do the single solo podcast. So I'm going to be doing a few more of these and then we'll get back to doing our interviews like we were doing before. And also, as you probably noticed, I'm not doing the Instagram lives anymore. That was a thing for its time, but now I've moved into my new studio, so I got this going on. So that's what's happening with me right now. And as I said in our last one, we talked about Scott Adams and that whole thing. And I really learned a lot from the research and setting up of that one that I did. I think I can really make a good good presentation that's entertaining, not too dry. I don't want to just be an informative, you know, reading from the dictionary kind of thing. I don't want to lecture anybody. I don't want to sit here and ramble about something I like or don't like or whatever. I think I found a good medium of, hey, this is a creator talking to other creators or artists, designers, developers, whatever, and we can build something that's a new discourse, a discussion, basically, that happens every so often, maybe once a week, three times a week. I don't know how the schedule is going to go just yet, but we'll keep, jump in, keep it punchy, keep it moving, and we'll go from there. So as always, you know, hit the website, mrbinja.com. And let me know what you think. Or if you're on YouTube, you can go ahead and subscribe and hit the notification bell. Go ahead and leave me a comment. Tell me what you think and share with your friends. I think we've got some good stuff going on here. So I definitely want to keep it going. And I really need your feedback because I, when you put this stuff out, you kind of don't know what people think or don't think about it. So be sure to let me know. So yeah, speaking of comics, Scott Adams was the guy who got me thinking about comic strips and comics and the comic business. Not initially, but I'd been thinking so much about comic strips and just writing and things like that. Before we get started, I just want everybody to, when we start getting into these things, when I go go in, I just want you to kind of sit back, relax, go, go easy. I'm not trying to be one of these rapid fire, bam, 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 you got to hear everything all at once kinds of podcasts. But it is a little it can be a little information heavy. Oh, questions, Q&A. If you have any questions or anything that you want me to specifically answer on the podcast, go ahead and send those in. If you've ever supported me in any way, I'll definitely be sure to get to your questions first. So don't be, don't be afraid. And uh, any question can be a good question because I'll make it a good question. All right. So just take a moment, relax, sit back. Think about what you're going to create. Think about what you can create, how you can change your world for the better. Take a short breath in. 
nice deep breath, not short breath. Take a nice deep breath in and breathe out. Nice deep breath in and breathe out. I actually have to do that. Deep breaths in through the nose quickly and then a slower breath out through the mouth slowly to get kind of prepared to jump into the creative mode. It really, it really helps me start to center what I'm doing, what I'm thinking about, and makes the time that I'm creating a little more profitable or a little, a little more beneficial for me. I don't know. I started doing that at the beginning of the last podcast just because it was a heavy topic, and I figure I might keep on doing that. Anyway, creativity shouldn't be super stressful. It should be a fun, flowing, relaxing thing. And if you're if you if you got your breath under control, then you can create much more easily, I think. So yeah, that's that. All right. But entrepreneurship and comic books. As I said, I got to this because of uh because of just uh Patrick Hickey and Legacy Comics that's came it, it was Scott Adams then talking about comics and business. Then I had a show versus business podcast. Then I ended up seeing posts from Patrick talking about his comics. And it just got me into the whole comic book vibe. And I realized that all of my entrepreneurship, my my whole entrepreneurial journey kind of started with comic books. I had some news I was going to talk about, but we'll go ahead and skip that. I'll just jump into it. And let me, let me unbox this really quickly. Uh, I, I was going to do a video one, but I don't care about that right now. So I just crack and open this package without bending it. Never done a audible boxing. So I have to explain everything. Nicely packaged. I ordered a Conjury, one of the main characters in the legacy comics line. Let's see what, what's in here. There's a, there's a digital package I ordered and it also came with some, a Conjury Zero. And oh shoot, I got a, I got a sticker set. So I got a Conjury sticker set. It's about, I'll put up a picture on this on uh, Instagram or something. But what size is this? This is like 11 by 14. Yeah, that's what it looks like. It's an 11 by 14 sticker sheet. I have a lot of sketchbooks and notebooks, so definitely have places for these stickers to go. And these are high quality stickers too. Not like your, uh, your junk kind of stickers, but more along the lines of a little durability of a bumper sticker. Good stuff. I don't know the characters yet because I haven't read the comic, but I suppose I will. All right. Conjury zero signed, signed cover. And it's got his, got like a, I don't know. I don't even know what to call this. I haven't, haven't been into the real physical comics for so long, but that it has a kind of foil cover, glossy cover format on it. Oh man. I haven't opened a comic from a, from a comic sleeve in a while. Definitely still has that comic smell. Bam. This is very cool. And it's a special edition number, numbered limited series of 50. It's got me thinking about comics again. And oh my gosh, I just realized that my comic writing actually started before the comic book story that I'm going to tell you. So I'll have to come back to that one another day. But 
thank you, Patrick, for the for the Conjury Zero. I'll check out the Conjury One through Four, and then I'll get back to you on that. And what else is going on? It's red, black, and white on the cover. Very dark foreboding kind of thing. And that's funny. It's like a lot of people who aren't into comics see stuff like that, and they think it's they think the dark, the 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 brooding kind of look. It just looks, it's very off-putting to a lot of people who have this idea of comics that are still Superman, shiny, glossy, happy somebody. And I don't know how many of these people have ever been in a comic book store. It's kind of a weird and dark vibe, definitely an alternative vibe. So when I was growing up, my parents weren't really into comics. I remember a cousin of mine had like a lot of Donald Duck and, you know, Mickey Mouse comic books and the comic books you saw in in the gas station weren't that they weren't that serious, and yes, they used to sell comic books in the gas station. That was one of the only places you could really find comic books on a regular. Some bookstores had them or didn't have them. There were magazine stands that would have them or not have them, and there weren't a lot of comic book stores around. I mean, they existed. They they were in certain places, but they weren't necessarily the easiest places to get to. If you were in a city as a kid, you may only have one comic book store that really specialized in comics. And they also had like direct editions and the gas station versions. So the ads would be different. It'd be a little lower quality. Um, You're talking about buying from a gas station. People would always just bend the comics and mess them up. But I still loved them, right? I was uh, getting all these comics and finding out what I liked, getting into X-Men Spider-Man, things like that. And I would just start picking them up here and there. And my cousins and family members liked them too. Let's see, what else was I buying? Conan, Transformers, and G.I. Joe had comic books. And these were a little grittier than, as I said, the comics my, my parents and aunts and uncles and teachers were used to. People were, people were dying. Things were more serious topics were being covered. And isn't this how it usually goes with things you buy and things you collect? There's the sanitized version, right? And then there's the, there's the version that you're into. And that's not the same thing. So I remember my mother was kind of like, why are you buying all these funny books? Don't you already have funny books? And I was like, mom, what are you talking about? Comic books. These are serious, serious investigations into the stories of people's lives. She was like, okay, whatever. And my dad was an artist, so he was more okay with it than my mom was. My mom, she didn't, she didn't deny any of my hobbies, but she was just not really that into it, right? And we'll come back to my mom not being that into my comics later. But yeah, so I, I'm getting all these comics. I'm starting to collect them. And it led me into manga. It led me into graphic novels, which are collections or really long form comic books. And I, I just started to like, I, I realized I was hitting a deeper level than most of my friends, right? Most of my friends were kind of like, oh, yeah, I heard about the X-Men. And oh, yeah, okay. they, Oh, yeah, okay. I heard about Spider-Man. They got that the new cartoon. Okay, yeah, whatever. And it was just kind of a surface level thing. I remember there were some shirts and like there was a, a bad Captain America movie from the 70s that was floating around. It was this weird, very specific culture, the comic book culture that I started to get pulled into. And at one point, it was just young hobby kid action. I was picking them up wherever I could, loved the stories, really related to them. And I'll get into that in another thing, but 
you got to understand, comic book characters were, at least for young boys like me, for a lot of young boys like me, comic books were uh, a career choice. This wasn't, this is a serious business. It wasn't like just some random thought or notion. It's like, no, no, no. You can go play football all you want. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be a high flying superhero. I will have my costume by middle school. You just wait. This is actually serious stuff. So at what point, right, does a hobby start to become a, a business? So at the Cosmic Cat in Tallahassee, Florida, this comic book shop that showed up on Allen Street, I believe it was, right across from the Tallahassee Mall. And I used to, my dad used to drive by on this road every day and we'd go by the movie theater, go by the gas station. There was a shoe store over there that my mom would go to. So in the strip mall, they had this store called the Cosmic Cat. And I was like, holy crap, it's a store with nothing but comic books. Finally, a comic book store. Yeah, you didn't see very many of these, as, as I said before. So I convinced my parents, hey, you know, I'm going to the, got to check out this Cosmic Cat place. And I'm like, sure, let's go. And, or actually, I may have checked it out on my own. Because I used to, I used to be a mall rat, just walk around the mall and hang out for a while, for an hour or two before going home. So I may have checked it out on my own. I forgot how I got into the Cosmic Cat the first time. But the selection, the variety, the styles, and the people all blew, this blew my mind that there was this much focus on one particular thing. You got to remember, if you went into a bookstore, there would just be this very small corner in the back where all the comic books were. And if you went to the library, you could actually find a section where they had comic books, but it was this one small section. Now I'm walking into an entire store devoted to nothing but comic books. And they had figurines and alternative board games there too, uh, more adult kind of board games. But this was the first time I was seeing this. And this was kind of blowing my mind as a kid. I was like, holy crap. It's not just the Hulk. It's like the Incredible Hulk and then the trade paperback, then the, the special edition, the, the, the book with all the interviews in it, the, the posters, the t-shirts, all about comics. And this was out of the world for me. You know, this, this otherworldly. I just didn't understand it. So that quickly became one of my favorite hangout spots. I was like, all right, I got I to gotta hang out at this spot. Got to find out what's going on. This is, this is the new thing to do. And of course, I started spending more and more of my money on comic books, spending more and more of my time in the comic book store, reading them, finding out about them, connecting storylines. And I'm, I'm starting to become a comic head at this time. And I think I actually, I'll leave this for another one, but I actually started drawing my own comic books as a kid. And I would just fold some paper over, staple some paper together. And this was like loose leaf lined paper. I'm right. I'm drawing these usually stick man, stick figure comics. But this is, this is what my mind is doing at the time. I'm like, holy crap, I can write stories. I can read them. I can make versions of the X-Men. And when I got to visit my fam other family members, my cousins and my friends in New Orleans, I'd bring comic books along with me and share them, share all the stories. We'd talk about which ones we had. We'd trade them back and forth sometimes. It was, it was a whole thing. So at some point, I started running out of money for comics. Of my allowance, I was like, oh, I've got the allowance, but I can't get all the comics I need. I've got all this these stories I need to finish and I can't just sit in the comic book store and read this, read all the stories they, they'll kick you out of the comic book store. I can't stand in the gas station. They'll kick you out there too. I can't just, and you don't want to sit in the store all day. You want to pick it up and take it home with you to read it at your, at your leisure. 
in the library, you know, a lot of times the comics were missing, the pages were were ripped out or, you know, it was, it was uh, just in bad shape or whatever. So I, I started making these short mental leaps, like how can I get to having a bunch of my comics of my own? How can I take this hobby and start to create something bigger out of it? I don't realize I'm having these thoughts as a kid. It's just this desire for for more, right? I, I guess as a kid, I figured if I went all this time without knowing what a whole comic book store looked like, what else could there be? I'd heard about comic book conventions, but you never start to think about it as real until you start meeting people who have gone to comic book conventions, who've met comic book artists, who've written their own independent comics. And these are the people you would see inside this comic book store. So as I said, the whole city was basically, that, that was the spot in the city where, where you went to for comic book information. So you start rubbing shoulders and, and I, I'm just a kid at this time. I'm what, 12, 13, something. Um, so I'm just getting into comics and understanding what's going on with all this stuff. But one thing about reading comic books is when you were reading from the gas station or you were reading from the library, you weren't really getting the older classic stories. You'd read whatever was available pretty much at the time, and then that was it. But when you're in a comic book store, they just have rows upon rows of comics put in these, put in these packages, laid out in these long boxes. That's what they call these long white boxes that you stack comics in and you flip through them. Uh, kind of like a big Rolodex, right? You just kind of flip your fingers or, or a record store. You know how you flip through the, the records, same way you flip through comics. And at these comic book stores, I started realizing like, wait a minute never figured out how how Wolverine ended up in Japan and then had a fight with Alpha Flight from Canada. Well, how how did he even get there? What happened? I, I missed that whole I missed that whole series. And the comic book would tell you, hey, if you missed this storyline or you're wondering how this happened, please go check out issues, whatever, through whatever. And I'm like, holy crap, I'm missing issues X, Y, and Z. How do I get these? As a kid, I'm sitting here thinking, I, I missed them, so am I supposed to just go back and read them? Where do I get them from? Oh, they're in the comic book rack somewhere. So you start going through the comic book racks, and you realize something very quickly. Once a comic book has passed its initial shelf release, this is unlike magazines or, or standard books. With standard books, you can kind of find them, and they'll still be the same price. With comic books, once you start, once they pass that initial release window, the price kind of jumps up a bit because everybody gets them and then the rest of them that are left sitting there are a little costlier. I mean, at some point they hit bargain bin prices, but that's another story. But yeah, once they missed their once you missed the release window, the prices went up. So I'm I'm flipping through the stacks and I'm like, wait a minute, why does this one cost $15? This one costs $12. This other one costs $20. What comics are like like a buck fifty, man, a dollar in some cases. Where are all these high prices coming from? And of course, that that high price makes you want to buy the comics right when they come out. So I'm feeling the draw to get these comics right away. I'm, I'm feeling what the consumer feels, and I'm realizing that there's there's a little game that's being played, right? There's the hey, you better get it now, 
short, limited time only. If you don't get it now, it's going to be, it's going to cost more later. And that's just built into the comic book system. And I'm starting to kind of piece this together as a kid, like, holy crap, if I need to get this right on time, then I can, I can, I can have all the issues and I have all the issues. I can read them. And once I have all the issues, I can show my friends like, Hey, listen, I have all of these issues at the same time. We can all read them together. It's like, holy crap, that's great. And the, the comic book store owner, I forgot his name. Cool dude. Um, I, I really, really like talking to him from the Cosmic Cat. And he, he realized, hey, you know, if you like these comics, we can just put up a subscription for you. And I was like, a subscription? What's that? He's like, well, basically, when the comic comes in, we set it aside for you. And you basically end up with a set of comics specifically for you. I'll give you a discount on the comics that come in. And then you just pay for them all at once. So instead of coming in on Monday when Wolverine was released and then come in, you know, next week when Silver Surfer, I could just come in and pick up all the ones that came out, not worry about people buying all the copies of a certain title and just not worried about them selling out. It's always there. No rush, no fuss. And so I was like, hold up, you guys have subscriptions. Who, who, all, who all is doing this? And I look behind the counter and there's just a bunch of long, long boxes, like I said, with people's names on, on the boxes. And I'm like, holy crap, this is a whole thing. Where have I been? And once again, my mind's getting expanded to this whole world of comics. So I start thinking to myself, I'm running out of money for comics. I'm, I'm seeing all these comic prices jumping. I want more comics. I want to go back and buy the older copies. What do I need to know? So all these thoughts are going through my head. And I'm so into comics now that I start buying this comics magazine called Wizard. And Wizard, it had all these articles about the newest comics coming out, interviews, articles about the comic book industry. And this is when you're starting to really get into comics. You're, you're reading industry magazines, right? But at the end of this, at the end of Wizard magazine, it always had a price guide. And this was my first connection with the whole idea about market prices, things that are trending, what's hot right now, what's a good buy, what should you buy and hold on to, what should you buy and get rid of. And in the back of the magazine, because all of, it had just a list of comics and they would have color-coded names, uh, color-coded titles like Uncanny X-Men 300 or whatever, whatever number they were on. It went up in price. You can buy it for this price now. Here's a high price, low low price, original price, and it just had. A, I, it's one of those things where it's just like some tables of numbers. And as a kid, I would, I would usually read the magazine and see all those numbers and be like, whatever, that's not for me. Then at some point, I was like, you know what? Let me let me find out my comics and started looking up all my comics in the back of this magazine. And I was like, holy crap, people are paying ten dollars for this. So I had a comic book. I forgot which one it was, but I was like, people are paying $10 for this. And I went back to the comic book store and I said, Hey man, uh, how's it going? It's going good. It's like, wizard says this is worth $10. Uh, I have this comic, but I don't really want it anymore. Will you buy it for me? And I'm, I'm asking the comic book store guy. And he's like, well, I'll buy it for like uh, $6. And I was, I was kind of bummed. I was like, well, 
the guide says, the guide says it's going to be $10. Why, why, why would you sell it for less than that? And he explained the whole markup situation where it's like, he's a store, he has to buy it for less and then sell it for a little more. And he may not even sell it for that $10. He may only get $8 for it. So there's this whole game involved that I didn't understand. And he starts putting me on how this whole thing works. I'm a kid here and my mind is getting blown. I'm like, holy crap. And then it's like, well, okay. But if I find something that you need and he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, just come. We'll talk about it and let me know what you have and we'll discuss it. I'm like, cool. I was like, this is great. This is hot stuff. I am learning. So I go home and create a spreadsheet of all the comics I have. And this is, this is, this gets my mom off my back for a little while because I'm at the computer and being at a computer is better, you know, for your child's development than being at a, in front of a bunch of comic books, according to my mom. So I'm at the computer typing out this spreadsheet, making a log of all of my comic books. I didn't even know how a spreadsheet worked but I just knew it was tabular and you can create all these tables with numbers and stuff. So I'm up there, I have all my, my comic books, all these pages of, of numbers basically. So I have my own little version of comic book titles and numbers that looked like what Wizard Magazine had, but it was all my comics. So now I could print this thing out, right? So I got this big spreadsheet I print out and I would take it with me, have it in my backpack, I was going to the comic book stores or the comic book store and any place where they sold comics. And I'm talking to people. I'm like, hey, I've got this comic book. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah. And I broke out the spreadsheet because I can't carry all the comics with you, right? So I broke out the spreadsheet and be like, hey, listen, I got this, uh, I got this new guy right here, this guy right here. I got them both. He's like, really? Yeah. It's like, yeah. If you're going to be here tomorrow afternoon, I'll hang around and I'll bring the comic. I'm like, cool. So I started making all these connections with people, right? So one time I'm actually in the Cosmic Cat and everybody's in there talking and flipping through comics, doing their thing. And one of the guys I remember seeing, he's like, hey, do you still have that comic? I'm like, yeah, I still got it. And I and the guy says, well, you know, he said, I'm interested. I'm like, okay, cool. And he doesn't say anything else. He's like, yeah, I'm going outside for a minute. But I'm like, well, I can sell it to you. I said this in the store, like, I can sell it to you. Uh, the comic shop owner, we were friends. He knew my dad and everything uh, at this point. He's like, hey, you kidding me? You can't just start selling comics in this comic book store. I sell comics here. You can't do that. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> that was my first market competition, right? <laughs> so I'm in danger of getting kicked out of my, my supply chain, um, the comic book store I actually got all my comics from. So I didn't want to piss him off. So I'm like, sorry, man. I didn't know. I'm just... You know, my dad kind of laughed about it. Uh, I told him later. I still had a good relationship with the guy, but it just kind of annoyed him that I was in there hawking comics and breaking out comic book spreadsheets in the middle of his store, trying to figure out what I could what I could buy, what I could sell off later. So it, it was just a funny situation, right? But anyway, I ended up going outside, selling to that guy. And I was like, where do you get your comics? And the this dude... It's kind of it's kind of a shady character. So I'm a little kid selling comic books to this guy in front of a comic book store or in the uh, kind of in the parking lot in front of a comic book store. Dad wasn't always there. As I said, Tallahassee was a place where everybody could just roam around and kids were latchkey kids were all over the place. It was great. My parents weren't negligent or anything like that. It was just in that place and in that time. 
kids were a lot more independent. So, yeah, I was selling comic books to adults, kids, anybody who would buy them. Found out the other comic book spots. Like there weren't de- there were some places that weren't dedicated stores, but like had comic book outlets in the back. It's like uh, you'd find this smaller bookstore and they had like a special series section for comics in the back. I'm like, oh, okay, you can find all these places. Remember, this is pre-internet, so you just had to know a lot of the places and start calling a lot of the bookstores and they could they could uh, refer you to other places. But anyway, I started getting a little network and I, I would have a run around. So I'd go from one comic book store to the bookstore to this other little spot to this collectibles uh, place. That's one place that had antiques and they just had a bunch of comic books in the antique store, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, the major thing that I realized, the thing that flipped in my head, that switch was the only way you're going to get money for more comics is to sell comics at a higher price and you'd have a flow of money from a flow, a flow of uh, working capital to to work with. Buy the right product, hold on to it for a little bit, read it, have fun with it, keep it in good condition, of course. Wrap it up in a nice package, your plastic sleeve and your hardback so comic won't get bent or anything. It's nice and presentable. Then you pass it off to somebody at a higher price. Maybe they missed the sales window. Maybe they didn't know it was going to be a hot comic. Or maybe they just uh, are looking for it later. And that whole little cycle of I can buy something at a lower price, sell it at a higher price, then I take that profit and or those funds that come back and then buy even more comics and continue the process. So this became a thing. And I started like collecting comics. And I remember I was in the comic book store one time with my dad. And I'm not consciously thinking about all of this as a business. I'm just a kid like in the zone. I'm getting more and more comics, selling more, getting more, taking more of my time. The spreadsheet's getting longer. I'm pretty familiar with all of the comics in Wizard Magazine. I've got several boxes of comics by this time. I've got a comic book room. I've become known as like this comic book kid, right? Brothers ask me questions. He's reading comics. He's an older brother. He's cool with it. And it just became a thing. And it was great. Uh, where did I put them? I had, I had some of them in the top of my closet. I had some of them um, on, a, on a bookshelf. I had some of them under my bed. They were all nicely, neatly organized. But I was just remember getting a lot of comics, right? And I was in a comic book store at one point doing my normal thing. And I remember my dad was standing around talking to some guy. It was just some other person who was interested in comics. And I heard my dad say, yeah, yeah, no, he's got this whole thing going on. It's like a, he buys them and then finds the prices. And then he's like, it's, yeah, it's pretty wild. And honestly, I probably got the idea of selling like this from my dad who was who sold art professionally. So this whole little cycle of selling, buying more materials, more products, more, um, more stock, I probably got that from him. Didn't, didn't put, put it together at that time. But when I heard him talking about what I was doing, while I was off in my own world, I kind of realized, holy crap, I'm doing this like as a thing. It's a thing now. I didn't, I didn't consciously think of it as a thing. I'm still thinking of myself as a, as a hobbyist, but no other kid is doing this. No other, no other hobby kid is just going around making a comic book business. So 
I had all these comics, right? Some of them I had in, remember I told you I had some of them in the boxes in the, in the sleeves and in the, with the hardback so it doesn't bend the backing board. So don't, don't get at me in the comments. It's a backing board. Yes. Acid free, by the way. At one point I had some other comics that were just old and nostalgic and bent up or whatever. And this actually, I think this, this, the idea of collecting all these and holding on to all these books actually came from my mother. I mean, the, the sale, selling of them came from my dad, but my mother collected magazines and she had a lot of information. Uh, she, she would like to collecting a lot of information. So she would get a lot of magazines. She's dad read the newspaper, mom read magazines. Anyway, I came in one day and I was looking for some old Conan comics because not only was I interested in the comics themselves as reading material, I also liked to draw. So I would try copying images of all these characters and I think my brother drew some swords and I was like, yeah, I want to draw some swords. So of course I go to Conan. I go looking for my Conan comics. And I really didn't try selling those. I just collected some of those from gas stations and things because I liked them. So I go back to look for my Conan comics and I see like half of them are missing. I'm like, what the crap? What's going on? I'm looking all over for my comics. So I yell across the house, mom, I can't find my comics. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know about any comics. I look around and I don't know what happened, but somehow it came out that my mom threw out a bunch of my old comics. These weren't the ones that I had nicely packaged, by the way. These were these ones I just threw in a shoebox or something and were just piling up. I don't and you know, moms don't like old smelly comics piling up. But she ended up tossing out a lot of my comics and she did some mental judo on me and calmed me down. I was like, hey, don't worry. Hey, listen, it's time for dinner. Oh, what movie are we going to watch? She said something. She said a whole bunch of stuff and something about an allowance. And I don't know. I don't know what she said, but I was furious about this comic books being gone and missing. And she mental judoed me out of it and I wasn't mad about it anymore. But I was really concerned because suddenly this is like this is like messing with my my livelihood, because even if I couldn't get rid of them at a regular event or a comic book store or, or, or meeting up with somebody, th this was this was a material I could use for for trading, trade like 10 these old busted comics for a friend of mine's new comic or or, at, you know, head to a garage sale and be like, hey, listen, um, let's do a garage sale. Let me sell these. And. It was still valuable to me. And this was another one of those lessons where it's like, you know, not everybody values what you value or see what you're doing or even care. But yeah, I was one of those kids that my, where their mother threw away their comic books. And uh, it was almost a traumatic experience for me. And it may have been part of why I stopped collecting comics. But the real reason I stopped collecting comics was for something else. But, but I started realizing how about like protecting your business and and as, as I said, I'm, I'm young. I'm not thinking about all this stuff about, quote unquote, protecting your business. But these are all lessons that I'm getting. And, you know, here, here are things that I want to directly attribute to that time. I had to go out and I had to find a product. I had to understand the market. I had to research the market. I had to know what was coming out, when it was coming out how much of it was coming out, who had access to it, could I afford it, did I have the funds ready in, t in time. 
Did I have people I knew would be interested in that product after I got it? Could I cultivate relationships with people? So they come looking for me and I'm looking for them and we have a good working relationship. You know, I had to practice the art of selling a product like, hey, this comic book is going to be hot. It's going to be great. And I need to be able to tell people all the way from meeting with me to exchanging money. I had to be able to keep this thing going. You know, and could I get people, could I get people to care? Could I market myself properly? Not just the comic, you know, not just knowing the market, but could I actually put myself out there? And could people know me and trust me enough to buy from me? Yeah, I mean, what do you, what do you think when some some random kid rolls up and he's like, "Hey, I got comic books in my backpack, or I'll be here tomorrow with a bunch of copies of, uh, you know, Thor." Well, I didn't read Thor, but a bunch of copies of the Fantastic Four or something, Alpha Flight, Uncanny X Men, Spider Man, Amazing Spider Man, Spectacular Spider Man, Incredible Hulk, Conan. Oh, let's not even talk about when. The whole image comics and Valiant comics thing happened. Yeah, had some of the writers and artists leaving Marvel comics and DC comics. I never really messed with the DC physical comics, so don't ask about that. I like the cartoons and stuff, but not the physical comics for whatever reason. But yeah, man, uh, image comics, when they did their whole thing, I had spawned one through, I want to say I almost hit 50 before I, I broke streak and stopped. I, and I didn't have all of those. And at some point, I sold those off. I was happy with that. The Spawn comics, Shadowhawk, Savage Dragon, Brigade, Youngblood, Wetworks, Wildstorm, all those. And on the Valiant side, Shadow Man, Solar, Exo Man of War. So many good titles, man. It was, it was a great time. But, you know, that was the understanding of knowledge of the product, having the inventory, cultivating relationships, managing inventory. And I just didn't realize that this was actually a thing called business. I just thought it was something cool and interesting to do. And I think I met the height of that when I went to a, I don't want to say it was a comic convention, but the Tallahassee Mall had a big comic fest of some sort, comic festival. So they just brought, you know, you know, you know how malls used to do when they would bring out like, hey, we're having a whatever arts and crafts or plants festival or something. And they would just fill up the empty space in the mall with a bunch of crap. One of those days, it was a comic festival and I was ready. Like I told dad, I was like, Hey, we're, 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 we're putting the comic book boxes in this, in the station wagon. You know, I'm getting my backpack full of comic books. We're about to, we're about to make something happen. And I forgot how much money I ended up making that day, but I was wheeling and dealing comic books in, in the Tallahassee mall walking up and down, talking to people, found out what they had. And my dad was, he liked roaming the mall himself too. So he was fine with, he's like, yep, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go to the art framing store, be in the food shop. After you finish this, you know, come find me or whatever in 20 minutes. But 20 minutes led to a lot longer than that. And I made a good amount of money for a kid. I forgot exactly how much, because honestly, the money wasn't on my mind. I was just thinking that, holy crap, I could really get a lot more comics and keep this whole thing going. I had no end goal, no expectation. I just wanted to do more and more and get bigger and better at it. And it was a great time. Um, the big switchover and why I stopped doing it 
it's not because I, 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 I fell out of favor with comics or stopped liking comics. Video games really became big in my personal scene. And that was actually my second major business. But I'll tell you about that one in another episode. This has been my comic book sales journey. My parents were proud of it. I was proud of it. I was happy with it. It was great. It was so natural to me. I didn't realize my entire family kind of thought of me as the com- that comic book artist kid. And, you know, I liked computers and everything, but I didn't know that they kind of knew me for always having comic books around. Very fun time. And, you know, so what happened with all those comics? What ended up happening to them in the very end? Uh, I saved a lot of them and left them at my parents' house in New Orleans. Tragically, many of them were lost to Hurricane Katrina. So, as I said, I had sold off most of the most of them in some form or fashion, but I kept a lot of them around just for nostalgic purposes, uh, certain certain issues and series that I really liked and enjoyed. I remember there was a comic of where Deathstroke the Terminator took on the Justice League, and that was one of the one of the most one of the best comics I remember reading. I love that guy. I didn't like Deathstroke until then. We took on the Justice League, but it was just classic comic book bad guy. You know, foils all the good guys, and they've got to figure out, you know, how do we, how do we take this guy out? What did we do wrong? Great story. I had great fun with it. Um, but yeah, that was that chapter of my life. It really set me on the entrepreneurial scene, and I realized that creation. What I learned from it, I think that creation isn't just about sitting down and making something for yourself. There's a whole social aspect, the marketing, the branding, the sales, the turnover, the, um, the whole experience of operating a business that is in itself, its own type of creation is something that I think all creators can learn from and understand. And when you're just trying to make a profit or, you know, you're just standing at an art show, like buy my art. It's, it's hard to connect with people if you don't know how to enjoy your product in service of others, like having your product move out of your hands into somebody else's hands, having them post pictures of it, discussing what it meant to you, the back and forth, the whole energy of the transaction and the selling platform, you know, whether that's in person, at an art gallery, online, you know, through resellers or whatever, garage sales, eBay, however you do it, Etsy, there's a whole joy of entrepreneurship and selling that I did not understand for a long time. It's still a headache for me because it's not where I come from. As I said, I, I got into comics because I liked the stories and what they, what I could create with them. And they gave me ideas of, hey, you know, you can actually create these things. You can draw these things. Shout out to Stan Lee and how to draw comics the Marvel way. That put me on the path to like, holy crap, I can create these things, create stories of my own. I, I did. I even, there, there's so many stories along that line. But there's a lot to learn from these little experiences and I'm just really thankful that I had those, those experiences. And if you haven't had experiences like that as a kid, you know, I mean, what, what's stopping you from trying to sell things on eBay right now, just starting up a little something, maybe nothing too serious, but getting in the habit of presenting people with the sale, presenting people with 
hey, I created this. Would you like to buy it? Hey, here's my storefront. Hey, come talk to me. Or, hey, what are you into? Do you like this? What do you need? That's even a better question. What would you like? What do you need to get through your day? You know, does your house need something? I think it could use something. You get into the selling and marketing and branding, um, advertising, promoting, you know, supporting this whole social process of lead capture, funneling people through the, the process. It's kind of fun and it's a different type of creation. So if you're a creator and you really haven't embraced that side, it's something worth looking into and something I'll probably talk more about. In fact, I may do a may do something with Theo on show versus business about about selling and getting into that whole thing. I want I'm not even sure how how Theo got into selling. I think he told me one time. I totally forgot right now though. It's kind of late. Anyway, um, you know, do what you do. Get out to your garage sales, art shows, galleries, eBay, and Etsy, and all that. Um, let me know. Let me know how you got started into selling, or if you started into selling. If you have, what got you to that point? If you haven't, why not? Uh, what are some challenges? What are some interesting things you've learned? Let me know in the comments. I'm always interested in interesting stories. And if it's interesting enough, hey, maybe we'll have you on the podcast and we can talk some things out and we can learn from each other. Anyway, that's going to be it for me. And this one, I just hope everybody has a good day. Get out there, sell some things, sell your experience, sell your products, sell whatever you can to create a better world. Because Part of creating is not just creating for yourself, but creating for others in a way that they can utilize it. And in our society, one of the best ways to do that is to sell something good. In fact, I should probably go put something on mrbenja.com that you can go ahead and buy. But until then, I'll talk to you later. Peace. Hey, thanks for joining me on this podcast. You all make everything I do possible, and I really do appreciate it. So even if you've got me on social, please visit mrbenja.com and see what's happening and how deep the rabbit hole goes. All right, I'll see you next time. Peace.